thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hey everyone, it is great to connect with you. And like uh, Adam said, we would love to know where you're watching from. So wherever you're watching from, the town, the village, the metropolis, wherever you're watching from, why don't you put it in the chat because we'd love just to say a shout out to you. And can I just say a special shout out if you're watching from West Bromwich, uh, West Bromwich Elim Church, we're kind of uh, helping you and encouraging you and uh, just, just walking with you a little bit through this season. And if you are watching, you're really, really welcome. And we hope that you get a lot out of it today. Um, this is the final week of our Wise Up series. So um, uh, in week one, we looked at wising up to decision making. Uh, then we looked at wising up to love. And then we, I wanted to go love then at that point, but I I didn't, but I've just done it now. Then we looked at wising up to work last week. And today we're looking at wising up to money. And you can see I've got all my money all around here. And I wonder how many of you want to speak to your money. How many of you do speak to your money? How many of you talk to your money? Um, I love this little Spike Milligan. Some of you older people will know who Spike Milligan was. Great comedian. He said this, all I ask is the chance to prove that money can't make me happy. I wonder how many of you have thought like that. Or what about this one? My wallet is like an onion, someone said. When I open it, it makes me cry. And I like this one. Money isn't everything, but it sure helps keep the kids in touch. And then this one, I'm sure you've said this one. They say that money talks. Well, mine just keeps saying goodbye. Here's the question I've got for you today. What if your money could talk? What if your actual money today could talk what might it say? And I want to start uh, with a few caveats today. And I want to, I want to really um, credit the material because much of this material I want to share with you isn't original to me. It's actually uh, taught by Andy Stanley, who's an amazing guy at North Point Church in Atlanta. And we as a church are kind of uh, uh, in a network with those guys as well. And he's just written an amazing book called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And this is all about decision making, not just about money. In fact, this is much broader than money. And, and that's kind of what our theme has been over these last four weeks. We've just said this, you know, we may make our decisions and then our decisions make us. But when it comes to money, we make some decisions every single day of our life. Now, let me just give you a few other caveats, okay? Maybe out there you're saying it's all very well and good, but actually you've lost your job through this season. Or maybe you're right now, you're thinking that you know, you're on furlough or your job's under pressure. There's so many industries, certainly in our nation of the UK right now, that are under pressure because of the coronavirus pandemic. And so you're looking at this subject and you're thinking it's really, you know, it's almost like hard to listen to just because of how difficult stuff is for you right now. We want to talk into that. And we believe that God wants to speak into that for you today. But I want to just share four ideas that Andy Stanley brings in his teaching. And then I'm going to intersperse it with, we're looking at the book of Proverbs, which is an incredible book in the Old Testament written by the guy called Solomon. And Solomon, the son of David, was asked, what do you want in this world? Just name one thing and you can have it. That's what God said. And I don't know how many of us would have said, show me the money, you know, just give me the money. Solomon didn't do that. Solomon said, give me wisdom. And then the incredible thing is, as he got that wisdom, loads of money was actually added into his life. Now, I'm not promising that, but I am promising that if we put wisdom first, we'll make better decisions and we'll have fewer regrets. So if your money could talk today, what might it say? Here's the first thing I think it might say. I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. 
That's so important. I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. Let's look in the Bible, in Proverbs um, chapter 23, verse four to five. Now, can I just say, I'm gonna be using a lot of Bible today and it's gonna come up quite quick. Okay, I'm asking our moderators on YouTube and Facebook to put the Bible verses in. So if you miss them, hopefully they will be in the chat. Proverbs 23, verse four to five says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Anyone ever thought that really poetic imagery? And what the writer is saying is that, listen, money can add meaning to your life, but it's not the meaning of life. And we all have underlying assumptions when it comes to the subject of money. Solomon didn't only write Proverbs, he wrote uh, several other books in the Bible. And one of them was the book of Ecclesiastes, which literally is a book all about meaning. And in that, in chapter five, there are three assumptions that he pulls out. The first one is this. I think we have this assumption that when I have more, then I'll be happy. If I just had more of this, then I would be happy. And yet in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10, it says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. It can add meaning but it's not going to be the meaning. It can, it can make you happy, but it's not happy in that sense. Do you understand what I mean? That's what Solomon's saying. And there's another assumption in this. When I have more, then I'll be important. Next verse, verse 11. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch let it slip? through your fingers. That assumption that when I just have more, then I'll be happy. When I have more, then I'll be important. And the third assumption is that when I have more, then I'll be secure. But in the next verse, verse 12, Solomon says, people who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Some of you think, well, just test me out. Just make me rich for a, for a, and I'll try that one out. But here's the thought that actually the more you have, the more sometimes that leads to anxiety and stress because the more you've got to lose. In fact, some of the most peace-filled, joy-filled, serene people I've ever met on the planet are people who have the least amount of material wealth. Now, money can add meaning, but it isn't the mean. It isn't the meaning. It can add it, but it isn't it. And here's another faulty assumption I think many of us have. And it's this, I don't have any spare cash. And I understand when I'm saying this, that everyone's situation is different. So please hear me right. I'm fundamentally a pastor at heart, okay? And I get that. And I wish I could have conversations with each and every one of you right wherever you are about this issue. You know, many of us think that we don't have spare cash. What actually happens is that we don't feel like we have spare cash, but actually we do. And I want to show you something. This is the average trajectory for most people through their life. So the longer they go on in their work life, the more their income will raise. I know that's not true in every situation, but that's the general trajectory. But here's what happens when it comes to spending. It's exactly the same. So as we gain more, as we get more income, so our spending increases. In fact, some people... Some people, even the spending line, may go over the income line at, line at times. That's what happens. We feel that we don't have any spare cash, but actually 
It's all about what we're doing with it. And this is so important. And when Jesus comes along, you know, Jesus spoke about money and possessions more than he spoke about any other subject, more than heaven and hell, more than prayer, more than worship. He spoke about money and possessions. And there's reasons for that. And we'll get to that in a moment. But in Luke 12, verse 15, he says this amazing verse. And I'm reading it from the message, which is like a modern paraphrase, gives you a little bit more colour. And he says this, speaking to the people, he went on, take care. I can feel the pastor's heart in Jesus coming out there. Take heart, take care, protect yourself against the least bit of greed. And then he says this, life is not defined by what you have, even if you have a lot. And I think your money would say to you today, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. Wise up, money is a means, but it's not the meaning. What's the second thing that money would say? Your money, I think, would say this. The moment you think you own me, I own you. Maybe, guys, you want to take a screenshot of these. You know, the moment you think you own me, I own you. It's a powerful thing, isn't it? We think, oh, no, 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 my money is my money. Well, well, I think your money would say, the moment you say your money is your money, I've got you. See, it says in Proverbs 22, verse 7, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, I know this is talking about debt, but there's this idea that actually uh, our attitude to money can, can, can bring us freedom. It can also bring us a sense of slavery. When we think we own it, then actually it begins to own us. You see, Jesus teaches that we are not owners but we are stewards, we are managers. And if we don't get this right, then we become slaves. We become slaves. You see, money is like a thoroughbred horse. When, when a thoroughbred horse is, is trained, then it's powerful and beautiful. But when a thoroughbred horse is wild, it's unpredictable and dangerous. You see, Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, trust in your money and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. Ultimately, our relationship with and to money is ultimately all about trust. A guy called Albert Schweitzer said, if there is something you own that you can't give away, you don't own it, it owns you. And can I say, wise people understand that they don't own their money, they are stewards of it. They are managers of it. It's entrusted to us. And so here's the thing, wise people get that because they understand that it's God's and it's given to them to manage and to steward. Wise people understand that when we go, we leave all of it behind. Everything you currently own, one day will be owned by somebody else. Most of us will run out of time before we run out of money. Wise people get that. Foolish people don't. So what else might your money say to you today? This is a big one. My direction reveals your affection. These are statements Andy Stanley makes in his teaching on money. I think he's so powerful. My direction reveals your affection. It's like this whole thing that if you want to know what's important to you in your heart, look at the direction of your money. Now, Jesus brought this idea around when in Matthew 6, 21, he talks about the heart and treasure. And I think most of us say, oh, in my heart, that's where I put my treasure. 
All right, so that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I love. That's where I'm going to add my treasure. But Jesus flips it like that and He says it, and I'll read it from the Passion Translation. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. In other words, it's your treasure that reveals where your heart is, not the other way around. And your money would say, listen, I know this is true. All right, where you send me, my direction will reveal your affection. You see, isn't it true that where our money goes, that's what often gets our attention. And I don't know whether any of you might need to attention gathering today. If you see my, my, the kind of money shooting all around the place, some of you have totally freaked out, then what on earth has gone on? But that got your attention for a moment, didn't it? Well, I kind of hope it did. And some of you, okay, I've got, I'm just surrounded by money now, all right? Can I just say, it's not real money, okay? But our money gets our attention. Reminds me of a great story that I heard years ago of a Native American that was uh, in Manhattan in New York with a friend of his and he'd never been to the big city before and, and they're walking along a street together and, um, and, he, and he stops him and, and there's loads of noise and, and, and stuff going on and horns blaring and music and, and he stops and he says, did you hear that grasshopper? And the guy says, what did you, I didn't hear, how did you hear a grasshopper? And then he goes over to a bush and, and, um, and, and he puts his hand in the bush and, and out pulls this grasshopper. And, the, and, the, and the, the Manhattan guy, the New Yorker said, how did you hear that? And he said, I'll show you how. And then as our people are walking around and they've got their, their iPod buds in their ears and got their lattes in their hand and everyone's noise, noise, noise. He takes some coins and he drops the coins on the floor. He drops the money on the floor. Everybody stops. Why? Because they heard the money. The Native American said this, you will listen what your attention to. Where you give your attention is what will determine what you listen. And it's true with money, isn't it? It's because the direction of our money reveals our affection, where we give our attention to. You bought that new car. How much of your attention does that new car get when you bought that car? You bought that new phone or that new gadget. You've got that new house. How much of your attention goes to that purchase? Because you, the direction of your money reveals often our affection. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where you'll find your heart. Not where your heart is. Let me look in your heart for your treasure. Jesus didn't say that. He says, you show me the treasure and I'll show you your heart. I'll show you your affection. Let me show it you in this way. This is how most of us Spend money, all right? Now, there's some variants on this, all right? Um, and and, and you, can, you, can, you can say that you've got some different kind of options here. But most of us, number one, we spend it. So that's the mortgage, the bills, the food, the clothes, the entertainment, the lattes. Okay, just for you latte drinkers out there. Then we repay debt, maybe. Then we pay taxes, we have to. Then we save it, then we give it. Now, just look at that for a moment. And if you are someone today, and I know that you might not be, and if you're tuning in whenever and wherever this goes out and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, hang with us because this is wisdom whether you are or not. But if you are a follower of Jesus, does that make sense to you in terms of who you say you are? Because let me show you what this really equates to. The next slide. Me. 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 God and others. Isn't that right? So me, uh, I spend it. Me, I uh, uh, repay debt. Me, I uh, pay taxes. Me, I save it. God and others, I give it. That's exactly what it is. And it doesn't really make 
any sense, does it? I mean, it just seems to be upside down. Andy Stanley calls it me first living with leftover giving. How many of us live like that? Me first living, me, 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 uh, God and others with leftover giving. Let's wise up. When Jesus came along, Jesus flipped the script. Jesus turned things upside down. Jesus said things like this, that the least, you know, the last will be first. The least will be the greatest. Those are the servants, you know, they're the, they're the top one. He kind of flipped everything upside down. And in Matthew 6, 33, he said this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. This is really challenging, I know that. Jesus flipped the script completely the other way around. And so it looks like this. Jesus said, God and others, then me, 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 me. There's still lots of me in it. There's still lots of you in it. But what you've done is you put God first. So what that looks like is very simply this. Give it, save it, pay taxes, repay debt, live on what is left. Now I know that's pushing really hard for many of us right now, especially in the current situation. And my heart goes out to you guys so much and we're gonna be praying for you. If you're struggling right now financially or with job or with your situation. But I wanna say, this is not only the wisest way to live. This is the route through to financial freedom and freedom in so many other areas of your life. I want to make it even simpler for you. I want to boil it down. Here we go. Give, save, live. Right where you are. Right where you are. Just think about that. Give, save, live. That's completely upside down of how most people live. They live first, then they might save some. And if there's anything left over, left over giving, then maybe they'll give to someone or to somebody or to some organisation. But I think Jesus comes along and says, give, put me first, save, invest for the future, live on what is left. And I know that that's a really, really challenging concept, maybe for many of you right where you are now. I get that. But I want to encourage you, don't think in terms of the amount of money, think in terms of percentages. And it doesn't matter at one level what the percentage is. For us, for me and Alison, we've always, we, we practice what we believe is a biblical principle of tithing. So 10% of our income, we give to God through the local church. And then we've worked out a percentage of what we want to save. And then we give on what is left. But listen, it's not about the amount. It's about the percentage. Once you start by giving God first, then saving, then living, it may be that it's 2% and then 2% and then you live on 96 it may be that it's 5% and 5% and you live on 90. It may be that it's 10% and 20% and you live on 70. It's about you saying, God, I want to put you first because I know that I'm not the owner. I'm the manager. I'm the steward. This is so, so important. And I love that little video that I played right at, that we played right at the beginning where, where money was talking to the people and he mentioned the B word. And of course, the B word is the important word because the B word is budget. And you want to budget like a boss, this little kid here. And can I just say to you, a budget is an incredibly spiritual document. It's like a theological framework because it will show you, like money would say, it will show you the direction of your affection. You see, I want to say to you, you show me your budget and I'll show you what's most important to you. 
A guy called Charles Ray, I love this quote. I've used it for many, many years. He said this, how we use our money demonstrates the reality of our love for God. In some ways, it proves our love more conclusively than the depth of knowledge, length of prayers or prominence of service. These things can be feigned. In other words, these things can be, can be you can pretend with these things, but the use of our possessions shows us up for what we actually are. Guys, I want to invite you. I know this is an incredibly hard season. And I want to say to you guys out there pastorally, you know, let's not do it well. You know, when this is over, then we'll think about it. Or when the other job comes or when this, listen, we have to start now. We make our decisions, then our decisions make us. And I want to encourage you guys right now in this hard time is the time to think about what we're doing with our money. It's the time to wiser. And can I just say as well, as, as lockdown begins to open up, hopefully in the next few weeks and months, now is a really important time to decide what we're going to do with our money. Because I tell you what, my fear and concern is I think as a nation, we may go crazy. And so all of a sudden we may be booking crazy big holidays and buying crazy stuff because we've been locked up for 12 months. We will live to regret that. I want to invite you to wise up when it comes to money. So, so important. And the final thing I think that your money would say is this, what you choose to do with me speaks volumes about who and whose you are. We've been using that phrase a few times recently, haven't we? What you choose to do with me, your money says. So let me pick up this fake money here. What your money says is what you choose to do with me speaks volumes about who and whose you are. Guys, if you're a follower of Jesus today, we say He is our number one. Your money would say, hey, what you do with me, that will show you who is the number one. It's an incredible verse in Proverbs 3 verse 9, again from the Passion Translation. It says, glorify God with all your wealth, honouring Him with your very best with every increase that comes to you. That's powerful, isn't it? It's almost like Solomon saying, you know, if you want to honour me, then give first. If you want to honour me, then when you receive more, you honour God. So for us, whenever we've had a salary increase or we've inherited money or, or, or someone's gifted us, we will always look at that and say, That's, we don't own that. That's been entrusted to us and we want to honour God first. So if we've ever been given anything, we want to say, how can we give a percentage of that away? Because we want to honour God. And we want to give back to God and we want to give to others. And if we don't do that, what we found happen often is that the grip of money and the, and, the, and the power of money and sometimes even the slavery of money can have a grip on our heart and on our life. And that's not how God wants us to be. To what end do you want your life to be a means? You know, for something to have meaning, uh, it must be a means to an end. What do you want people to thank you for when you've gone? What do you want people to line up at your funeral and say about you when you've gone? You know, this is going out live on the last day of February. Well, tomorrow, the 1st of March, is a year since my mum died and you know, my mom and dad, and many of them, they were part of this church here, the most, some of the most generous people that I've ever met. 
In fact, they didn't leave a lot to us um, financially when they went because they gave such a lot while they lived. And when I look at them, they gave me a better legacy than money could ever give. And I remember at my dad's funeral and at my mom's hearing so many other people speak about the generosity that they'd received from them. And we did and I did and me and my sister did and our family. But hearing other people that I never knew had received generosity from my mom and dad made me think, I want to be like that. You know, most of us will run out of time before we run out of money. Wise up, guys. Wise up. So, so important. I want to say that living God's way when it comes to money seems crazy. I remember um, someone at the bank years ago when they were going through our finances and he was looking through our budget and everything and, and looked at the money that was going to Life Central Church uh, and other Christian organisations. And, and he said to me, that's a lot of money going to... And he looked at it and I could see that he thought I was crazy. And you know, it is and it does appear a little crazy. But here's the crazier thing, to live the opposite way. That's crazier. To live that way is so crazy because when you live that way, you don't live wise, you live foolish. And you don't own, you don't, you don't manage money. You, you think that you own it, but actually it begins to own you. And what happens then is that you want to be generous, but you can't be. You want to sleep well at night, but you can't because money's got a grip of you. But wise people know how to handle money. Foolish people let money handle them. Guys, today, you, whoever, Wherever, whatever your circumstance, you can take a step towards financial freedom that you will never, ever regret. In fact, this could save you so much heartache, pain, relationships, sleepless nights. Let's wise up to money. Money is so incredible in terms of what it can do, but so damaging in terms of what it can do, like that thoroughbred racehorse that I spoke about. And as we finish, I want to give you four application questions. So let's go to the TV again. And again, love you to screenshot these. They're so good. If my money could talk today, what might it say? And here's the key word, really. What might it say, really? If my money could talk today, what might it say, really? And when you answer that question and you ask it, really, it's going to create some internal tension in you. And I want to encourage you, you've got to pay attention to that tension and you'll start to resist it and defend it and justify. That's when the real work goes. If my money could talk today, what might it say really? Second question is this. What does the direction of my money say about my affection? Here it is again. Really? Now, and if you're not putting God first, then today you can. You can do that. Because the direction of my money says a lot about my affection. That's what Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where I'm going to find your heart. So what does the direction of my money say about my affection really? Number three, what's one step I could take today to help me wise up to money? Guys, I can't say how important this is. In fact, in my daily readings this morning on the YouVersion app, it was all about uh, from the book of James, where it says, you know, when you listen to God's Word, you put it into practice. Don't just hear it. That's like someone looking in a mirror and forgetting what they look like. In other words, don't just listen to wisdom. Put it into practice. So what's one step you could take today to help you wise up to money? Maybe, maybe you could ask for some help. Maybe you could start giving. 
Maybe you could have a conversation with someone about debt and about how to make a plan to get out of that. And I'm going to help you with all of that in a moment. But that's so important. What's one step I could take today to help me wise up to money? And here's the final question. Where do I need God's help when it comes to money? You know, I learned years ago, God is interested in every single part of my life. Nothing is like spiritual or non-spiritual, sacred or secular. It's a whole thing. And maybe right now, you need to invite God by His Holy Spirit into the area of your money. Maybe it's because you're struggling. Maybe it's because you don't know what to do with it. Maybe it's because you're anxious around it. I don't know. But where do you need God's help right now? Because Guys, to be honest, that's what prayer is. It's an invitation into relationship with God by His Holy Spirit. God invites you to invite Him today into your world of finance. Maybe, guys, right now you're struggling. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe your job's under pressure. Maybe you're looking at the bills and you're looking at what's coming in and your head's in your hands. Guys, I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for a breakthrough. I want to pray for provision from God. The guys are going to drop the prayer chat into the link right now. And if you want prayer, we call it Say One For Me. You know, don't be embarrassed. Don't feel shame. There's no shame in saying, I need prayer right now in this area. I want to invite you right now as the guys drop the link in the chat for you to respond to that right now. And as you do that, I want to pray for you. And we're praying for people in the church so much. You know, right now we're aware that there's a lot of health pressure So many people, you know, under health pressure, not just with COVID, but with other things and some really sad stories right now. Other people, it's difficult with homeschooling and with children and family situations. And then of course, finance and pressure of work and employment. We want to invite God into all of that right now. So I want to pray for you right now. Jesus, I want to pray for every single person, whenever and wherever they're watching this. May they know that you care about every single aspect of their lives. Jesus, may they know that You promised, Lord, that You would provide our needs. Not our wants, not necessarily our crazy desires, but our needs. And Lord, I pray for every person right now who is struggling financially, those specifically who are out of work, who are looking for a job. And Lord, I pray that You would open the door to a job in Jesus' Name. Not just to pay the bills, but to give them, again, that sense of, of being purposeful, like we learned last week, where that, 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 that sense of, of bringing purpose to work that you create is. So Lord, would you bless them and open that up, I pray in Jesus' Name. Lord, for those that are in debt right now, God, I pray that you give them the courage to take a step, to take a step towards financial freedom to get the help that they need right now. I pray that they take that step in Jesus' Name. And guys, I wanna say for all of us, you know, we can all respond and take a step today. And maybe if you wanna talk to somebody about your financial situation, maybe it is a debt issue, maybe it is someone that you wanna talk to, you know, you can do what we've said. You can do LCC next steps, one word, or just next is fine, and your name text that to 60777 or on the screen right now it should come up the link um, for you to access uh, that that, um, opportunity as well and guys the final thing I want to say I can't really speak about money can I I'm saying put God first without inviting you to put God first 
And if you already give to God through this church, we are so grateful. You know, your giving this season has enabled us as a church to do way more than we ever imagined we could do. We have not been closed. We've not been open in terms of gathered services, but we've not been closed. We've fed the poor all over the place. We've helped the vulnerable and the marginalised all over the place. We've, we've connected with families and kids and young people and we've reached people far across the, the, the world really. We've done that because you, your giving has enabled us to do that. Thank you so much. And you know, if you wanna give to us as a church, the, the information is gonna come up on how you can give and you're giving to God. You're putting God first, but you're giving through the local church. You know, for, for us, for me and Alison, we give to two places. We give where we're grateful and we give where we're broken. We give where we're grateful and we're grateful to God for this church. This is our home church, not because I'm the pastor, but because this is our family. I wanna give there first. But we also give to other organisations and people, maybe issues that, that break our heart. And so many of you are, are sub-sponsors of, of Compassion Kids. We have over 100 kids uh, in Tanzania now as a church that we sponsor, you know, because that breaks our heart when we see poverty like that. Give where you're grateful and give where you're broken. Guys, I wanna encourage you to give financially, if you can, into the life of God and what God is doing in His Kingdom. You know, as we finish, we're gonna sing a hymn that has been sung uh, through centuries by millions and millions of believers. And I love this hymn because there's a really old word in it, in one of the verses, and it says this, riches I heed not. And that's an old word, heed. We don't really say that, you know, um, but heed is like, I'm not gonna really pay attention to that. Riches are not gonna grab my attention because Jesus is the one who's grabbed my attention. He is my number one. He is my affection. He is my vision. So as we sing this incredible hymn together, why don't you thank God for all that He's done in your life and all that He's given you in your life. And let's put Him first in everything, including our money.